Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. And welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, business in the knowledge economy. Sponsored by Sage, building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. I'm Ed Kless with my friend and co-host Ron Baker. And folks, on today's show, we are thrilled to have with us our interview with Hector Garcia. How's it going, Ron? Really good, Ed. Wow, this has been a heck of a week. Uh, it feels good to be on my own show. I've been interviewed all week on a bunch of shows, so this this is good. Back to normal. <laughs> all right, back to normal, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough sometimes to get the tables turned on you like that, though. It is, it is, but I'm looking forward to turning the tables on Hector, so. Absolutely, absolutely. So let me read him in and we'll get started, jump right to the meat of our program. Hector Garcia is a certified public accountant licensed in Florida an entrepreneur and YouTuber who specializes in providing educational content on accounting, finance, and business management. He has a strong online presence with his YouTube channel and Facebook groups where he shares tutorials, lectures, and expert advice on a variety of topics, including Quirk and tax preparation, financial analysis, and uh, small business management. Hector holds several master slash postgraduate degrees in accounting, finance, and taxation from Florida International University. He is, all, uh, he is also a founder of the, of, and the CEO of Quick Bookkeeping and Accounting, LLC, a Miami-based firm founded in tw- 2009. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Hector Garcia. Oh, thank you. Ed, Ron, it's an honor. I've been a fan of this show for many, many years. I'm ready to get started. Let's, 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 talk, let's talk something interesting. Let's jump, jump in. Well, I, just for the benefit of, of some of our audience members who haven't heard of you, because you are definitely one of our super fans for sure. Uh, other than what's in the bio, give a, give a little bit of history of background of, of uh, w- what you, you've come from and what you're doing. Yeah, so long story short, I started in technology. I worked for Geek Squad and uh, I quit uh, Geek Squad to start my own uh, sort of tech uh, consulting firm. I did pretty much network administration and and uh, software uh, support, that sort of thing, for, for several years. And then for, and I'm going to shorten the story, for almost exclusively the necessity to get health insurance, I quit entrepreneurship and I went to work for a bank. And I worked for a bank for, uh, for several years. And I kind of found that that passion between my tech background and my newfound love for finance by working in a bank. And I said, uh, when I was done with the bank, I said, I'm going to start a bookkeeping firm. And it basically just happened just like that. Um, through that process, I was going to school and spent a lot of years in school. And uh, 2009 uh, happened and uh, the financial collapse happened. And it, it just, it made sense not to be in a bank anymore. And I said, hey, I want to help the, the, the people I was trying to get approved for a loan during these very tough times. I want to actually help them put the numbers together. So I, I basically switched to the other side. I wanted to be the ally of the small business, putting together the finances so they can navigate the, the tough waters of that financial uh, uh, conundrum that we had during 2009. And, and then I started uh, doing some training. Uh, some people started asking me to 
show them how to do this stuff on their own uh, computer so they no longer need me to do it. They wanted to do it themselves. And I basically became addicted to that moment where people go, ah, oh, that's how it works. Thank you. And I, it, it became like a drug, man. And I, I, and, and I, I, at that point, I realized that, yes, I'm an accountant. Yes, I, I'm pretty good at that. I'm a technologist. Yes, I'm pretty good at that. Um, and, I, and I became a CPA. And yes, I'm good at that. And I do taxes. But what I really, really love is to empower others to take control over their lives. You know, whether in my case, you know, it's through doing their own accounting, but just the concept of empowering someone to have confidence on their work, have confidence on their numbers, and have confidence on the decisions they make for their business. To me, that's cold. And, I, and that's when I became passionate to, uh, to become a trainer. And, and my YouTube channel is a byproduct of that. Well, that, I think that's why, Hector, you and I have, have gotten so, along so well, because I, you know, I view my role as consultant, and you've probably heard me say this on the show, is I'm, my, my intent is to help my, my, the folks that I, I interact with make the best possible decision for them and their organization. And you know, that's, a, that's a broad way. You're doing it very specifically with accounting and making the, fin the, the financial decisions, but it's, it's the same, same, same thing in the end. Uh, absolutely. I mean, not, not just financial decisions. I mean, financial decisions such as should I buy this? Should I pay for this? Should I invest in this? Should I hire? Should I fire? Should I market uh, in this? Uh, should I market to this crowd or not? I mean, these are all really important things uh, for your business. But in the small business world, your personal decisions, your, your, the things that you do in your in your life and your business, they're very much intertwined. So it's you're not helping the business be successful in a vacuum. You're helping an entire family or a group of families be happier and have healthier and longer lives uh, as an aggregate. So the, the role of the small business advisor, whether it's in eh, finance or technology or, or marketing, it, it, goes, it goes much deeper than just profitability. Like profitability is, is one of the avenues, is one of the results from doing good work with your client, but the profitability has a meaning and profitability enables people to uh, take more vacations. For example, one of my mantras in life is I help uh, people take more vacations. People ask me, what's your purpose? I help people take more vacations. What, you're a travel agent? No, I'm not a travel agent. I help people take more vacations because I help them run their business well. I help them have confidence in the numbers so they can make better decisions, be profitable, hire employees, learn how to delegate to them. So then finally they can disconnect and take a vacation. So there's, there's always a, 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 an end in mind and that's my end in mind because when I started my, my business, the one thing that I struggled the most, especially with little kids and, uh, and being a, a, a young small business owner and an, and an accountant, a young accountant, which is it's, it's harder to get that credibility uh, boost, right? Because you just started, you're green. Uh, I had to work a lot and I didn't take a lot of vacations. And, I, and I've noticed that uh, all of my clients were kind of on the same boat. So to me, that's, that's, that's the important part. That's the end in mind. Well, and let's talk a little bit about the emergence of your YouTube channel, which as I, last I checked is closing in on a quarter of a million subscribers. Is that right? Yes. Uh, I have a plaque in the back. You can't see it on podcast format, but we got that plaque uh, for 100,000 during the pandemic. And that was a, a moment where my, well, my kids were more excited than me because the kids, they, they know about <laughs> what the YouTube plaques mean. But it's, you know, that's, it's, it's not many channels reach a hundred thousand and you know so we're, we're super excited that that we're we're double that already 
Yeah. And, and, and to mention that, cause I went out took a little, and you, you incorporate, you have got family videos out there. You talk about the technology side, which we'll get into next, but it's really a, a reflection of your entire life. Not, not just the, the finance piece. Yeah. I've, I don't have as many family videos as I could or, or should, but, uh, I, I've been I've been fascinated with uh, the mind of my six and seven year olds, and um, anytime I have uh, the opportunity to have a discussion about what taxes or accounting means to them, which is pretty hilarious, uh, maybe I'll do a quick video and put it in my YouTube channel. But for the most part, I try to stay, uh, uh, you know, on 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 message, you know, about business and profitability and accounting. And let's talk now to turn our attention to some some technology stuff. You you have been one of the the, the fr- foremost thinkers in moving into chat GPT and using it as part of your accounting practice. So talk a little bit about your experimentation there. Uh, yeah. So uh, chat GPT, some background, it's, a, it's a, a tool that allows you to write to it and it writes back to you. And, you know, it's a Coca-Cola formula. It's, it's, it's a void of, of, of technology that happens behind the scenes. But the point is, is that it actually works and really well and very impressively. So when you start thinking about um, the the constant type of communications that you do in a day to day, such as answering emails, such as writing scripts for videos or or podcasts, um, such as just thinking of business ideas uh, like business ideation, uh, sometimes you you might not have someone to just exchange philosophically that information with, or or maybe you don't even know. Uh, how to put together your thoughts. So ChatGPT is this unanimous object where you can just write and write and write and write and refine and tweak until you get possibly your thoughts together. I'm not a writer. I've never been a good writer. That's why I make videos and not write books. Uh, but ChatGPT has really helped me organize uh, my message and, and, and my thinking. So some of the things that, that I've done is I've, I've, I've drafted contracts, quick, quick contracts um, and agreement letters, for clients. Um, I've helped clients sort of say, hey, get the contract started in ChatGPT and then get this 90% of it and then take it to your to your lawyer so your lawyer can charge you a lot less. So basically, I'm, I'm, I'm helping people get you know, 80, 90% of the way there and I'm helping myself get 80, 90% of the way there and then I'm using the experts to kind of put the bow um, at the end. And, and I think that's what AI is going to be. It's going to be a tool that's going to help you get almost there and then we need that experience, intuition, judgment to, to put the finishing touches. Um, and the other thing that, that we've done is we're starting to explore on, I have an app, I developed an app and, um, and the, I'm the designer of the app, not the developer of the app, I have a development team and uh, we're thinking, okay, how can we use ChatGPT to, to improve uh, accounting workflow? So we're starting to think through that and beta testing it a little bit and it's, it's really exciting. What, what ChatGPT is gonna bring forth is really exciting. I'm going to back up a little second. We, we don't have too much time to go deeper into technology, which, which probably we'll, we will do in, in the third segment when I talk to you again. But we've got about two minutes left. Jumping back to the uh, you've helped people write contracts and then bring them to the lawyers. What has been the reaction of the lawyers when you show or, or when your customer shows up partially written contract in hand and says, I just want you to review this? Yeah. So um, so I had there was two situations. So one. Um, I didn't tell the client not to mention ChatGPT, so the client was super excited to tell the lawyer it was ChatGPT. The lawyer didn't know what it meant, and basically to- tossed the whole thing out and rewrote it. So I'm not even gonna, you know, because it's just that initial reaction, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the second 
person, I told them, hey, don't tell them ChatGPT uh, uh, found it. Just, I mean, did it. Just say that you found this template online. And, and for the, when they told the person they found the template online, that lawyer basically didn't even think about the fact that it was written by ChatGPT and go, yep, that sounds like a templated, uh, you know, a basic template that you found online. And he basically just put the finishing touches and that's it. It was a, like a subcontractor agreement, like a, mm -hmm. like a 1099 subcontractor agreement. You know, what's interesting, though, is that I listened to some legal podcasts and one of them talks about how like these big high power law firms now have replaced a lot of oh, well, they, 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 they've been able to hire fewer uh, lower level attorneys, bringing them into the firm because they, they use not necessarily chat GPT, but AI technology to do a first draft of their brief. That's what they do now. Yeah, unfortunately, in law, um, most of these things are regurgitations of the last one. Like I've, I have one attorney who's a, I have a, I have a client attorney who's a patent attorney, an IP attorney, and um, I was telling him about my technology, and I was sitting down with him. We're, we're very friendly, and I asked him, hey, you know, can you put together uh, you know, something so we can uh, patent the code or we can copyright the code? And the guy says, okay, let me dust off an old template, and uh, and he went through his templates and he showed me, and he's like, ah, this template might work, this template might work, and at the end it just shows you that. Most illegal is literally copy paste from the last thing they did, and uh, you know what better uh, type of technology than a, than a language model like ChatGPT to sort of replace replace that type of work. the The first ever uh, contract that I got involved in when I was was, was young, and we were starting a, a partnership, and I was asked to to become partners with this guy. the The contract that was handed over to me had instead of United States of America had Liberia throughout the contract. <laughs> So the, if the country of Liberia, so it was, it was, this has clearly been happening in a law, a law for a long, long time. This is now 30 years ago. Somebody said, took a word perfect template and said, oops, I forgot to certain search and replace on the country name. Uh, that's, that's, uh, it's, it's pretty funny for sure. Yep. All right. Well, we're up against our first break. Want to remind our listeners that they can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, the website is The Soul of Enterprise, where you can see show notes as well as previews to upcoming shows. I want to remind you that you can rate this podcast by going to ratethispodcast.com slash TSOE, where you can rate this podcast. And we'd love for you to do that because that helps others find the show. Really appreciate it. But right now, a word from our sponsors. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah 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 Whatever, and four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program, 
This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Hector Garcia, certainly one of the profession's thought leaders. Hector, let's go macro for a minute before we go micro. I've, I've been dying to ask you this question. There's a lot of talk on a lot of different podcasts in our world about the shortage of talent, the pipeline for CPAs, the 150-hour rule, our starting salaries too low. What about the work-life issue when these firms are just burning people out? What do you think about all this? Um, well, I, I think it's a manifestation of a couple of things. So, so one, um, even if it's just tax season, which is two months or three months or whatever, the, the work-life balance of, of having employees work until 9, 10, 11, 12, it, it's, it's, it's just not right. It's not right for your health, not right for your family. And um, even though it's temporary, I think uh, this feeling of resentment uh, sort of builds in into people. And, and, um, and people tend to, to like, like every tax season, it's like, a punch in the face, right? So it's like, next one will be my last, and next one will be my last, and next one will be my last. And I think it, the in this industry has been acceptable for too long, uh, forcing employees or at least blackmailing them or what, what, however they get people to say yes to uh, working this crazy amount of hours, especially during high season. So that, that's going to be the first factor. That's just not attractive at all, um, especially when they don't let them work from home. Because I, I found it like when we switched to uh, working from home during the pandemic and now hybrid, because I, I do, I still do feel that the getting together in person has a certain magic that you can't replicate via Zoom. But uh, when people work, the days that people work from home, they work more. Like I, I see it with the email responses, right? So when they work from the office, after five, I won't get a response from any of my employees, or at least most of them. And the day they're working from home, I get responses at seven, eight. So people want to work later and work harder when when the firms are more more flexible. But these firms that make people work at the office and then take the one hour commute on top of that, I mean, it's just brutal. It's brutal. That's the first thing. Second, um, and this is not anecdotal, my partner in the app that we developed was an accountant and uh, was fed up with it and became uh, a coder, right? So he, he, he went back to school and learned how to, how to do coding. So we lost one and we lost a great one. I mean, I, I got him, you know, you know so we're, we're building an app for accounting together, but that's a perfect example. It's somehow, somehow something in our profession uh, was off-putting about, like he still loves accounting, but he just felt that it, doing the accounting itself wasn't the, the part. So solving for accounting, it's a different issue altogether. But that's that's a person that, that we lost in the profession. I mean, he's still serving us, but we lost. And I think that uh, the, the promise of tech 
the promise of crypto and now the promise of, of AI is going to make it even harder uh, for us to 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 keep people. Um, I don't think the 150 hour honestly was the was the cost of the problem. I, I know 150 hours to get your CPA reducing that to 120. It's a a, a proposed solution to get people to feel uh, that it's less of a hard investment in a university or, or higher degree to be able to become a CPA. I think I like the solution, but it's, it's, it's really important to keep in mind that that's, that didn't cause the problem in the first place. What, what caused the problem was the long hours, the overcomplication and regulation. I mean, um, I remember talking to accountants during 2020 and 2021, and uh, some of them said, Hey, I'm done with PPP. I don't want to read this in a daily basis anymore. I don't want to read the updates anymore. I'm done with ERC. So like all these complex government programs that were also built almost like on the fly and they were being revised every every week or so, it was just exhausting. It was exhausting. And it's not exhausting because you have to read and, and be updated. It's exhausting because as accountants, we take pride of knowing what's going on and, and, and being in a place where you're uncertain of your own knowledge because things are moving so fast, you know, and, and so disorganized, that is discouraging like to your soul. So I think a lot, we lost a lot of people also during the pandemic when they went, you know what, I cannot deal with something like this anymore. It, it was too much. Right. Do, do you, did you come in under the 150 hour rule when you, yeah, 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 you did? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, so it didn't I, I have like you. 200 hours. <laughs> so oh, okay. to, to me, it was a little easier, but yeah. Yeah. Um, how, how, I mean, you, you alluded to this, but can you expand a little bit more about the business model? Because the way I think about this is Dr. Paul told us, you know, if you screw in light bulbs in your, in your home and 50% of them blow out, it's not the light bulbs, it's the electrical system. And to me, the electrical system is, system is the business model in this case. How much of a role do you think that plays? In- a big one, a big one. Because if you are able to charge your client um, as a percentage of the value that you create, and obviously you, you know this very well, Ron and Ed, but not just that, as a, as a, as a, as a portion of the value you guys create together, it, it, it gets a lot easier uh, to then compensate your employees proportionally. The challenge that we still have is, well, number one, many firms charge uh, by the hour. So obviously that's the only way to pay an employee more, assuming you're going to pay overtime or get paid more, it's going to be through more work. So it's, it's basically just a function of, of, of time and labor, which is the only way to grow would be to make your people work more. So obviously that's a problem. But even with, and I experienced this firsthand, even with us, the firms that have moved to value pricing, we still have a disconnection because we still pay our, pay our employees uh, by the hour. So, so, so this consternation of even firms that have done really well at switching to fixed pricing or value pricing, they still pay their employees by the hour and, and there's still not a good way, a, a, a way to connect these two things. So what, what the subscription model might bring, and I'm hoping this is one of the, one of the uh, fruits of switch into the subscription model is, uh, is the employees themselves also coming back to you and going, hey, you know, we need a subscription model type of transformation to our compensation plan uh, because your employees, because your, your employees subscribe, I mean, sorry, you as a firm, you subscribe to your employees, right? That's right. Exa- essentially, essentially what we do to, yeah. 
Yeah. So, so we have a, so we have a disconnection there now. So, and, and I don't know if I, if, if I think I, I can solve both in my firm particularly, but I think if I have a successful uh, uh, switch or transition to subscription for my customers and my customers are paying what, what the work is worth and, and, and there's enough revenue there and it's fixed and predictable, we can also try to move our employees compensation to sort of go up and down with the subscriptions. And, and if, if, you can, if you can somehow have teams of people that manage uh, you know, clusters of customers that have this subscription revenue, and these teams can successfully maintain that relationship or grow it without having to necessarily grow the team, there needs to be a way for that compensation to sort of grow proportionally. So, so the employees are also feeling that they're part of that process and they're and, and and the subscription model is not only being beneficial to the firm it's being beneficial to them as well so i think that that's going to be an important piece and we've had an issue with our compensation models uh for, for too many years and the other issue is and i think this is true for all professions but i can't believe that us the accountants the ones that know the numbers haven't addressed this is everyone knows that if you if you jump from firm to firm, you can get 20, 30,000, uh, sorry, 20, 30% increases on your salary, but staying in the same firm, you could probably get an inflation adjustment of five to 10% if you're lucky. How come we haven't addressed that problem? How come we have not uh, uh, created dynamic compensation plans that are, uh, as a, they're, they're, they're attached to the value the employee brings to the business, not how many years they've been with you, because we also have to think of value pricing and potentially subscription when it comes to the the the, the uh, accumulated value of the employee that has the more years are with you. Right. You know, Reed Hastings wrote about this in No Rules Rule, where I guess Netflix, if you go out and say, "Hey, somebody in my at my position, my level, my experience, my market wage is." 200 grand and they're paying you 150, they'll up you to 200 grand. You don't have to threaten them to leave. You just say, look, this is my market value. Give them some evidence and they up your pay. It's a fascinating model. I was really intrigued by that section of that book. Yeah. And, and the only challenge I have with that is I don't think we can go to market to figure out the value of our employees in today's age, because, um, uh, Many, many uncredentialed accountants, uh, people that don't have CPAs or EAs or anything, but they're really, really good at the tech. They're really, really good at integrating apps. They're really, really good at maybe uh, teaching the client how to, how to use the app and sort of connecting the pipes, how, how Doc, Doc's leader says. Mm. That person can be 10 times more valuable than a you know, 20, 30-year veteran CPA that maybe knows a lot about tax or maybe knows a lot about gap or whatever it happens to be. So the, the, we might not have sufficient um, market information about the value of this sort of hybrid of accounting, understanding, techie person. Like we know how much techie people are, programmers and stuff like that. The problem is that the, the programmers, the coders, all these people have a market rate that most firms, we don't need coders and programmers. We don't need that level of tech. We need that strange uh, sort of hybrid of hybrid. technician that knows finance, knows the the nuances of a small business and a small business owner and also understands you know the inner workings of the firm and somehow can triangulate these three, three things to, to make 
uh, you know, the, the needle move in our firm and our relationships with our, our accountants. So I, I, I don't think we, we have quite a good understanding to how much a, a really good tech, techie type person uh, is worth. Right, right. And like you say, I mean, one of the things that gives me misgivings about the uh, Netflix model is I, we always say in the knowledge economy, it's the people that have value, not the job title. And just going out and look at markets, it doesn't account for the tacit knowledge you have about that organization. Like Ed being at Sage for however many years has enormous tacit knowledge about that organization. He's far more valuable to them than maybe on the free market, you know, that type of thing. So anyway, Hector, this is great. And uh, when we, when my last shot at you is going to be the last segment, and I want to talk to you about your more about your firm's pivot to subscription. But in the meantime, folks, if you want to contact me or Ed, send us an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Do check out our Patreon channel where you can become a subscriber and get access to our bonus shows and other material. That's at patreon.com slash TSOE. And that channel is now sponsored by 90 Minds. It's a matter of mind. Check them out at 90minds.com. And now a word from our sponsors. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercials plus bonus content. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE, subscribe now, and be free. You're worth it. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we have with us today on the Soul of Enterprise Hector Garcia, CPA, technology YouTuber extraordinaire. And let's uh, let's uh, let's turn our conversation back to the technology. You're talking a little bit about the Chat GPT stuff. We got off on a tangent about um, due to my question on uh, lawyers. But what is it that you are doing with Chat GPT inside your app? I'm real curious about that. Yeah, so um, ever since Chat GPT came out, uh, I've been obsessed to figure out what's the magic prompt to get this thing to do something useful. Because ChatGPT, for the most part, 
I would say for the first couple of weeks of people using it, it's a novelty. Like it's this really fun thing that I talk to the computer, it talks to me back and it's very, co it's scarily coherent, right? Um, but uh, I discovered that ChatGPT can help you write code. Uh, and actually one subsection of the of the language model is uh, that OpenAI created was it's called Codex. And basically it's trained in like five or six different uh, coding languages. And um, And I started learning about the stuff the developer is doing, and naturally, as a as a very eager uh, user of my app as well, I am actually I actually want the developer to develop much faster than it, it it could be humanly done. So I'm sitting there saying, should I learn how to code? But I can't. You know, I'm I'm too old to learn how to code at this point. Uh, but I started experimenting with having ChatGPT write some of the code for me for what I wanted to do. So I so started describing to ChatGPT what the website looked like. This is a GL platform, like an accounting software. Mm -hmm. it, it, this is what it looks like. And this is what the HTML codes look like. And I want you to replace this box with that box and write this in JavaScript for me. And I would run and then I would run it and then see, see if it worked to, to get to the point where, you know, I was thinking I was giving my programmer, you know, a heads up and I started, started giving him some of this raw code. And, and, and he's and in some cases, he's like, Hector, I rewrote it, but if it wasn't for your code, I wouldn't know exactly what you wanted to do. So I was able to speak his language uh, without even knowing one one line of code by having ChatGPT write some sample code for me. So that that was one of my adventures, one of my 3 a.m. in the morning type of <laughs> adventures, you know, playing with ChatGPT. But then I started thinking, you know, in, in more tangible terms, you know, what are the things that accountants can do now? Because that's not realistic that people are going to start, you know, toying with code. And I was thinking with the age, one of the age old issues that accountants have is, you know, we have a bank statement from a client that has a bunch of transactions. Some of them, we know what they are. Some of them, we have no clue. And the solution right now to find an answer to that would be to like copy and paste that into Google and then triangulating, understanding, you know, who the client is and who they serve and where they are and the type of stuff that they buy and sell. And then, and the top five results of Google, and somehow that circle will help you with the context, give you an answer to what it is. Problem is, even though that's effective, it's very inefficient. It could take you five to 10 minutes to find what one $37 transaction is for, right? And you could choose to go a different route to go, you know what, I'm not gonna go Google, I'm just gonna ask the client. Problem is, every question you ask to your client, it's adding strain in the relationship because the clients are hiring you to quote, take care of it, not ask me about everything. Like most of my clients don't want them to be the micromanagers of my work. And if I ask them about every transaction, they're gonna feel that way. So how can I use ChatGPT? So I started playing with the prompts in such a way to get ChatGPT to literally for me just to copy and paste a, a, a random description from a credit card and have ChatGPT come back and give me what the most likely answer is. And through some prompt engineering, we started getting to, okay, get me the website, get me the company name, get me what this company does, get me contextually why you think this for this type of business, it would be this category. And then give me some alternative categories that are maybe not your first choice, maybe your second and your third choice. So all of a sudden I, I can, use a, 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 a beautiful prompt to then just copy and paste one line and get a piece of information that I used to take me, you know, three to four minutes through Google. Now it takes me just only one minute. So through my app, what we're testing it is, can we just press a button inside of our accounting software when that 
transaction gets downloaded from the bank and it says DPI 36 uh, Phoenix, right? And then we don't know, I don't know what that is. All right, so to take that information and then search it within the context of what we told it this business does and then go back and tell me what ChatGPT believes is the best possible answer. So that's our first attempt into integrating uh, ChatGPT with accounting software. And so far it's, it's we're, we're beta testing it and we're very excited about the results. It's not perfect, nothing's perfect, but uh, ChatGPT is also, on, on its on its path to become better as well. What the, the part that I'm really really looking forward to is ChatGPT just opened up like an app store, uh, the, like a plugin store, and then they're allowing developers to plug into ChatGPT. So. Contextually, when it comes to uh, talking to ChatGPT, there's two ways to interact with ChatGPT. One is your, your own software package can have an API key and then have information inside your software be sent to ChatGPT, ChatGPT process it and send you back an answer. Okay, So that's one way of doing it. That's with a regular API key. The, what I, the description of what we were doing, it's an example of that. This, the next level of this is going to be now have your application set, talk to ChatGPT inside ChatGPT. So you're gonna have companies like Expedia, for example, one of the examples that have, Expedia is gonna have a plugin for ChatGPT. So you can write to ChatGPT and go, hey, I'm booking a Euro trip and I want you to find out hotel, car, uh, places to stay, landmarks, restaurants, these are my dates, this is how many miles I wanna drive between each city. And the thing will go boom, 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 and recommend you hotels, lowest prices, Cars, you know, it's 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 really impressive. The, the you know just the couple of samples that they have given us, and this is that's just one company, Expedia, talking to ChatGPT. So you start thinking deeply, deeply beyond every app developer, every software provider, every service provider that has a database of sorts um, can now use the the full power of ChatGPT to process information within the narrow context that you're giving them through that plugin. And that's gonna be key because the challenge that we have with ChatGPT is ChatGPT is the average of human intelligence, which is basically worth nothing, <laughs> unfortunately, right? So it could, because it, it, all the gold is at the edges, right? So ChatGPT is always gonna give you a mathematical average of you know the most predictable thing you could come up with. And there's no way you're gonna have new ideas if you're using ChatGPT uh, for that trying to use ChatGPT to, to build something new. So if you block the, the general knowledge database that ChatGPT has, and you give it just the narrow scope of the context of your own internal knowledge base of your business, and you, choose the, the, and you use the power of ChatGPT to process that, that's gonna be huge. I'll give you an example. Let's say I was able to plug my tax software and my tax database to ChatGPT. And again, we're assuming this is safe and all that stuff. That's a really important caveat. But, mm -hmm. and, I were, and I were, I were to ask ChatGPT, hey, which of my clients uh, own a home? And boom, the ChatGPT could just go across the entire database and go, okay, this has, all these people have, you know, uh, they're claiming, uh, you know, their, their home deduction or, or whatever, or which of my clients have international income. And it, it would just like, it could just go through your entire database and, and, and scour it and then just pick up the things that you want. And you could really, I mean, you could really make huge, important decisions, leaps and bounds of what you were able to do before by being able to have quick information uh, with technology like that. So one of the things that I think is important on this is to, to know that it's still the human creativity behind it. I, we, I had it right an about, about us uh, page for an accounting firm 
and it came back with standard boring stuff. And, you know, I even sent it on to our colleague, Tim Williams, who said, yeah, this is as crappy as everybody else's. This is <laughs> so, now again, everybody says, well, there's a, there's an important start. At least it got, got you started. But in another example that I used, I said, okay, write an ad for an accounts payable uh, program in the style of Dr. Seuss. And, and it, it does comes, it does it without it, hesitation. Without yeah. that, it comes back in iambic pentameter, rhyming, you know, all all of this stuff. And but that's again human creativity being plugged in. I, I did. We we've got about uh, three minutes left in the segment. I want to ask you about the differences that you've seen between Chat GPT three point five and four, because I know you've been working with both. So have okay. you noticed anything appreciably different from one well, to the it, other? Yeah, well, first of all, ChatGPT4 brought one of our friends uh, back from the dead. So that's yes, good. Yes, it did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. It was very, very Lazarus, Lazarus come out moment. Yeah. For <laughs> so, so for some context, I don't know if you guys have talked about this, but but one person that we know, Doug Sleater, he's been in this show a couple of times. He's, he's, um, on in, he's on in a couple of weeks to talk about being dead and coming back yeah, from the grave. Yeah, exactly, so. exactly. That's a, definitely an out-of-body out AI experience for him. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I don't know exactly what they did, but the information is it's a lot more accurate. And even me testing the same, um, that same uh, uh, prompt that I was talking to you about, about finding categories for uh, expense transactions and stuff like that. Uh, GPT-3 used to give me like six out of 10 unknown, like it couldn't figure it out. And now GPT-4 only like three out of 10 are unknown. So it's, it's little by little, it's just, getting, it's just getting better and better at discerning information. It's, 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 it's really interesting. It, they still haven't fixed the problem that this is one of the interesting things about ChatGPT is, Every word that ChatGPT drafts is a mathematical calculation predicting what the next word is going to be. Um, and with ChatGPT 3.5, if you were to ask it a prompt, but then you say, hey, at the very beginning of the prompt, try to predict how many words it's going to be in this, in this entire message. It used to be way off, like way off. It used to say, I, I could do this in 237 words, and it would do like 500, or it would do like 100. It would be way off. And then you would ask it, why were you so off? And it says, I don't know. But then on ChatGPT4, I kept, <laughs> I kept doing that, and it was only off by like five or six words, and I kept telling it, hey, that is off. And it was funny, you know, we started with being seven words off and then six words off and then four words off. Like, it's almost like it learns how to become better and better. And I, I see that with ChatGPT4 make leaps, leaps and bounds with 3.5. The other piece that we haven't even seen yet, this has just been advertised, is that ChatGPT4 is gonna have what's called vision. So you're gonna be able to upload images and I'll be able to do things with images. But the one piece that's really impressed me is uh, they have, they're partnering with a company called Be My Eyes. And Be My Eyes was, a, was an app company that was created for people with vision impairment. And it has 6 million volunteers and like half a million uh, vision impaired users. And essentially what, what it did is, you, if you're a vision impaired person, you, you, you turn on the phone, you take a picture of, or, 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 or sometimes you can do sort of like real time. And basically you're asking, what is this? And then any volunteer, their phone would chime and they would look at it and go, okay, that's a car. Or that's a, that's a, a whiskey bottle. Or that's a whatever, right? So they were using basically a, a person looking at the screen to tell the vision impaired person what they're looking at. Now, Be My Eyes is, is, is working with ChatGPT. So guess what? I think that the users, the volunteers are going to be able to train the AI on what they're looking at because now you're going to have human verification for the things that are being looked at. And when, when the AI can interpret what they're looking at 
quicker than what the volunteer can, um, eventually you're going to have this combination of sometimes AI giving you the answer, sometimes a person giving you the answer, or like we said at the beginning, the AI gives you an answer and the person confirms it. So that's that. I think that that partnership and between the AI and the person that has judgment and discernment, that partnership is going to be what's going to make uh, this uh, successful. And ChatGPT4 has introduced that concept and is they're going to do the same thing with audio. So be able to detect audio, detect music. And you know, like Shazam can do this already, of course, you know, but it'll be able to detect audio, detect music and discern uh, between voices. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's going to be really impressive. Yeah, well, I've got so many questions to ask. And I can't help but thinking, Hector, that it had you had your technology out, you know, back in, in uh, 2014 or whatever, we wouldn't have this problem with Donald Trump because it would have clear, clearly classified the expense for Stormy Daniels correctly in his accounting system. So that's true. You know, that's it, true. It, it's, yeah, right. That's so true. that would have been, <laughs> been really helpful. But we're up against our last break. I want to remind our listeners that you can contact Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. The website is The Soul of Enterprise where you can see show notes, previews to upcoming shows and what we've got on, on tap for you coming up. But right now, a word from our sponsor and my employer, Sage. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program, this program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever been so annoyed by a commercial for a $5 ebook that you were willing to pay $10 to never hear it again? I sure have. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. Over the last several years, you've come to hate me, and I hate me too. By now, you know that for $5, you can get a copy of Ron and Ed's book. What you might not know is, for twice that much every month for forever, you can stop hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the Diamond Water Paradox. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe today. Please, for the love of God, make it stop! You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're here with Hector Garcia. And Hector, you've been transitioning your firm to a subscription business model. What made you want to do it? Well, um, hearing you guys talk about it for four or five years um, uh, helped a little bit. Um, upon the release of your book, uh, Ron, um, I think, I think, because I got to read it uh, prior to release, I got to read the the, the manuscript. Um, you sent me that early on, and um, I got thinking about it uh, pretty much deeply, deeply before it was released. And then uh, during its release, I, I promoted it quite a bit. I told some people to read it. And people, some people were coming back to me. Uh, I, I had, we have two, two reactions. One is, why do you recommend this? This is crazy. I don't understand this. This is like way off base. And the other people go, 
holy crap, where has this been all my life? And uh, usually that combination of reactions is what confirms that this is a good, a good thing. So, so a combination between you guys convincing me and, and a lot of my colleagues sort of confirming that there, there's, there's a lot of gold in this, in this concept uh, made me realize that this is it. This is the time to do it. And I've been toying around with the idea of selling the tax part of my business, or at least uh, bringing another accountant along to take over it. Like just me no longer being the one that sits there and does 500 tax returns every tax season. Um, but if I were to do that, which is a huge part of my business, unfortunately, and fortunately, we build a business that is not siloed. Like we don't have like the tax department or the bookkeeping department or right. the training department. Everything is everything. And, 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 the, and, the, and the consultants and the tax people and the bookkeepers, they all have this magical way of adding value to each other in the process. And that has been the magic of my firm, really. But when we switched to, when, when we started thinking about switching to subscriptions, um, one of the things I wanted to do is uh, specialize, like really, truly uh, specialize. Mm. And I realized that with the speed of technology, apps, cloud, AI, it's going to be very difficult to be both great at the tech, like just be in the in the cutting edge of tech and also being in the cutting edge of tax because uh, tax was boring for a very long time. And then uh, and then the, the, the big tax change in 2017 came and then all the COVID stuff came. And then it, it basically drove a wedge between my ability to be great at both. And um, as much as I love tax, I know a lot of people can do it. But I think that uh, people like me that, that are not afraid of testing technology every single day, not afraid of, 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 of being proved wrong about you know, what I thought to be true every single day, to be my mind changed about how tech works. I think that I'm best positioned to be a tech leader and not a tax leader. So that, that, that basically drove me to saying, okay, this is going to be a two-part a two uh, process. We're going to get rid of tax and, and super specialize in bookkeeping. But in order to be successful at that, we're going to switch to subscription. And then if we do this successfully, we're going to elevate all of our employees to to basically run this whole subscription-based business. And, and as we talked about earlier, try to figure out ways to, 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 to put them in a position so they can also grow the business and be lucrative proportionally to how we, to how we grow the business. So I think that it was necessary for me to um, to get rid of that that piece of the business to avoid the distractions and focus 100% on bookkeeping. So uh, come just coming the next couple of months, our firm is going to be a subscription-based bookkeeping business that's going to be very, very in the forefront of tech. And it's going to bring all of our customers to, to, to the forefront of tech. And we're going to guide our clients and transform our clients through using the right tech for the right purposes. That's going to be what, uh, what, what we're going to change and evolve into. And, and I think that the only way to, to, to do this with, uh, with predictable revenue, um, it's going to be through the subscription-based model. Wow, that's fascinating. So you're, so we talk about three ways to pivot, three different models, start a new firm, do a gradual pivot in the legacy firm, or do what Adobe did. It sounds kind of like you're doing what Adobe did. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going, I'm going from, I'm going from desktop to online, keeping the same brand, right? I'm going from, you know, I'm going from uh, the, the traditional firm model that was already transitioned into value pricing, which that's important to, to add in there uh, to subscription, but we're not essentially losing our customers. Now, when we, um, 
when we talk to our clients, uh, to all of our customers about this, and we tell them, hey, uh, as of April 30th, the whatever contract we had, whatever engagement we had, uh, and we and, and th we thought about this about a year ago, we, st we stopped doing long-term contracts and all of our clients are in just open contracts. We don't have anyone in like, you know, so we have no obligation to anyone basically. So, so what our existing arrangement on April 30th ends, we are gonna come to you and we're gonna present to you a new thing. It's going to be us. It's still us. It's still the people that you love, the people that you learn how to trust. It's still Hector Garcia and, and his firm. It's still, you know, the technology first people that, you, that you've worked with for so many years, but we're going to offer you a new service. The, the, the service, the, the end result might be the same. We still might just provide a balance sheet and a profit and loss. We still might be just that. However, we're going to approach it a little bit different. We're going to talk about it and we're going to present to you with an option. And you're going to be able to have, we, we're going to have two tiers. This is our idea. We're going to have two tiers. We're going to have the core tier, which is just getting people compliant. This is for the ones that maybe don't want to change too much. They want to shake things up, but they're going to hop on the subscription. And then we're going to have the plus tier, which is the one that's, hey, we just do the whole thing. And there's going to be a huge gap between them. And the, the core tier is going to be very close to what they were paying before. We are going to bump, like we, we just, everybody's going to be bumped up, right? That way, because we do want people the opportunity to, to, to say no, because we actually need some people to say no. Like a part of this process, we do need to clean house a little bit. And we don't want it to be us that do it. You know, we don't want to judge, okay, who's a good customer, who's a bad customer. We'll let the customer do it. Hey, you know, if you didn't want to pay that little bump up, you know, that means we screwed up. We, we didn't even know how to show enough value. So that little 10% increase or whatever wasn't there. But I think that, that that small bump is important for the client to feel that it's different too. Because they... It can't feel like the old thing repackaged into a new thing. It needs to feel like a new thing. And if it's the same price or lower, it's just, it's not going to have that effect. So even if it's, again, not a different thing, it just needs to feel different. And, and that's what we're, that, that's one of the things that we're uh, starting with. We're stepping uh, with that idea first. Yeah, you're plussing it. Uh, so Hector, this has been wonderful. I know we're going to talk more about this on the bonus show. So thank you for showing up today. I just wanted to mention, yeah, I can tell you guys this. Um, I got this voice message from Debbie. She watched one of my podcasts on somewhere on YouTube. And she said, be dying to talk to you about if this could apply to a product company. And so I called her up. I'm willing to talk to anybody. And uh, we had this great conversation. Well, Debbie runs cookiemill.com. And as a result of that phone call, she sent me two boxes of cookies Debbie is like the Frank Lloyd Wright of cookies. I mean, she's got pricing on purpose, implementing value pricing, time's up, a bottle of Farnente. I mean, these cookies are pieces of art. She's got the soul of enterprise, crashing the timesheet. I mean, I, I was just absolutely blown away. This was, Ed, this was like the experience economy on steroids. This well, was we, one of those, wow. We've got to get you to take pictures so we can add it to the, add I, it to I the will. show notes. I will, I will. In fact, she said she's going to send me some pictures. <laughs> Debbie, I know you're out there listening live. So again, I can't thank you enough for this. I just think these cookies are amazing. Uh, Ed, what do we have coming up next week? Next week, Ron, we are going to talk to our, I think for the second or maybe even third time, uh, Timothy Cho, who is a professor at Stanford. He will talk to us about his experiences with bringing AI to a very practical application in the medical profession. Awesome. Looking forward to it. See you in 167 hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise. 
business in the knowledge economy. Sponsored by Sage. Building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. Join us next week on Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern. That's noon Pacific. In the meantime, please feel free to visit us at www.thesoulofenterprise.com. <laughs>